The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Merry Christmas. Just break up. <laughs> Keep that. Merry Christmas. Just break up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, you can keep that in. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, as you know, we're taking this week off from posting our primary episodes, but we did want to give you a taste of what it's like to subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah, this is one of our favorite episodes that we recorded for Patreon this year, and we thought it was so good that we wanted to share it with everyone. Also, in the hopes that you will subscribe to our, <laughs> you will be enticed to subscribe to our Patreon. Um, but this episode is really great. It's from a letter writer who um, is looking back at some of the experiences that she's had, knowing that she was queer the whole time, um, but finding herself in situations that felt like a betrayal of who she was um, and is experiencing a lot of regret over the fact that she couldn't live more authentically as her queer self. And that if she had, maybe that would have prevented some bad things from happening to her. So it's a really beautiful and poignant letter. Um, it's a, a wonderful question to be asking that I think a lot of us queer folks share in sort of looking back at our younger selves and, and wanting different things for ourselves. Um, and I think it was just a great opportunity for Sierra and I to really talk about our own experiences, queerness, the ways in which we are asked to do things in particular ways. Um, and we just really loved it. And lots of our yeah. patrons loved it. So we thought we would share it with a broader audience. 
Yeah. So enjoy this upcoming Patreon episode. And if you like this bonus content or if you want to tip us, if you just enjoy our, our show and want it to keep going, we hope that you'll be one of the hundred new patrons that we're aiming to get in the month of January. You can subscribe now and cancel anytime that you want at JustBreakUpPod.com. Until then, enjoy this episode. And if you celebrate, Merry Christmas. Welcome to Just Break Up, the Patreon edition. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we are going to talk about regret. But before we begin, yeah. we just want to give you our... Do we say this in Patreon episodes? No, we don't. <laughs> no. Okay, great. Regret! <laughs> we don't know ah! what we're doing. Just four years. Yeah. <laughs> well, we used to say it together. And I think that since we don't say yeah. it together anymore, my mind has... Gone yeah, kaput. Script goes. yeah, absolutely. I was yeah, used to yeah, one yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then six months ago we changed it, and I'm still not used to the <laughs> the new thing. <laughs> Listen, I just never knew what you were going to say. We never remembered to talk about it in advance, uh, and I'm sure that shtick got I'm old sure. for I'm sure. our listeners. Not for us, though. I would have kept doing <laughs> mm, it. <laughs> no, for us it was always funny. Okay, let's get into today's <laughs> always funny. Like, what does that say about us? We are stuck in our ways. All right, let's get into our letter. Uh, okay, so this letter comes from Tender Ghost. No, oh, I was just going to say that I think it's because I didn't mean to interrupt you. You stuck a finger I took a up swig at of me. Coffee and then you started my new headphones. My my new headphones have a delay, so like when. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Really letting people in on this weeks long head headphone saga we've been on. <laughs> Sierra's headphones broke. Did I tell him about my... I don't know. Did I tell him? Okay. <laughs> Sierra's headphones broke, y'all. I vacuumed up my headphones that I've worn in Just Break Up for four years, five years. Yeah. And Anyway, I was just going to say, I think it's a sign of true compatibility that we think we are funny still. So true. <laughs> so true. I really didn't need to say that. I just... It, there was a delay and I didn't know you were going to start. <laughs> So you stuck your little finger up at me to get me to stop. It was a gesture because I was drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's All right. get into today's letter. There's a, reason, there's a reason why we call these like more hangout sessions. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is way like less polished. me and Sierra at our most us just hanging out together. Uh, okay. Yep. But with a delay. Yeah, with a delay, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. So this letter comes from Tender Ghost, whose pronouns are they, them, who is crying on my bedroom floor with my cat licking my tears from my face, which is adorable because it makes me think of uh, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Like the cat is just like, you're like a little anime character, you're a little witch, and the cat is licking your face. Keep, keep it up. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> okay, great. Hello, dearest Sam and Sierra. This name will never not be funny to me. Good to know that you also think our jokes are funny. I'm going to oh, yeah, get good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm going to get straight to the point since this letter is about to be a bit of a doozy. But read till the end to hear my words of adoration for both of you. I have found myself in what feels like a never-ending pit of despair, and I'm seeking out the comforting words of more established queer folks who can reassure me that everything will be okay eventually. I have known that I'm a lesbian since pretty much the first time I meaningfully understood what a lesbian was. I'm 22 now and looking back on my life and wondering how things have gone so terribly wrong. I went to middle and high school in a fairly conservative area and was outed pretty early on, which led to all kinds of difficulty through my years there. 
I dated a boy for a couple of months to dispel the gay rumors that caused so much tension in my life, which ended in him forcing himself on me in a way that made me feel quite hurt and traumatized. After a couple of months of grieving, I started publicly dating a girl for the first time. And while the majority of our peers were extremely loving and supportive of us, it wasn't all smooth sailing. And at one point, another student yelled death threats at us at school simply for existing as queer people. Not exactly an ideal way to become comfortable with yourself as a very young gay teenager, to say the very least. We dated for about a year, but when my parents kicked me out of my home, not fully because I was queer, but not entirely unrelated either, our relationship quickly fell apart because there was just too much chaos for either of us to handle. This led me to fall into the trap of dating an older male coworker who I began dating despite our 10-year age gap. I fell for all of the traps that I thought that I would never be naive enough to fall for. I believed him when he told me that I was special, that I was simply so mature for my age that there was nothing wrong with our relationship. I graduated high school two years early and was entirely estranged from my family at the vulnerable age of 16, and I let myself be convinced that everything was okay. I let myself ignore the gnawing suspicion that something was deeply wrong. Our relationship gave me stability at first. I went from living in my car and barely scraping by to being with a man who said that he loved me, who I could convince myself that I loved back, and all in all having what seemed like the closest to a normal and stable life that I could imagine. I'll spare you all of the gory details, but the situation obviously did not end well. It spiraled into a years-long abusive relationship that shook me to my core. He was arrested on numerous occasions for DV, stalking, sexual violence, Mm. and I ended up being dragged through legal problems processes that I had no interest in pursuing and that only made things worse for me. All of this has just been context for my true predicament. I've been separated from my abuser for a good chunk of time, two and a half years, hooray, have been in therapy for that entire time, and am working through the grueling process of EMDR therapy to process the trauma I've endured. I have a job that I absolutely love, two cats that mean the world to me, a wonderful support system of trusted friends, and I am seriously the happiest that I've been in my life. All of that has brought me to seeking deeper connection, leaning into my queerness internally and externally, and dating women for the first time as an adult. My first meaningful connection with a woman just fizzled out. No drama, just wasn't working out. And I feel crushed. I've only barely let myself be my queer self, and having this brief connection has awakened the yearning for something deeper and more intimate, while also making me grieve everything that I have endured as a result of my compulsory heterosexuality leading me down such painful roads. I'm at a point where I love my life, I truly do, but every time I am really sitting with my identity or thinking about dating again, I realize that all of the trauma I have from men could have been avoided if I had let myself be queerer sooner. And now, I'm going to live with what has been done to me for the rest of my life, no matter how much I heal or how much queer joy I find in my future. I go about my life and find so much joy and purpose in my day-to-day life, but I come home to feeling deeply alone and heartbreaking over what my life has been up to this point. As I'm writing this, I realize I don't have any questions for you. I just feel so lonely and stuck in my grief and like I'm buried deep in a hole that I might never dig myself out of. I crave connection, but once I get it, I'm reminded of all that I have lost and all that I have endured. I feel so guilty for letting myself get so hurt at the hands of a man who I loved at the time, but who looking back, I know was I was forcing myself to connect with out of desperation. 
I'm doing so much work in therapy, but honestly, I'm feeling like I'll never be able to fully forgive myself for having betrayed that little kid in me who learned that gay people exist Mm. and instantly felt like everything made so much more sense. I want so badly to go back in time and do everything differently, and I'm struggling to let go of that impossible hope. Is it always this terrifying to try and move on and live authentically in the present, knowing that you'll never be able to change the past? Do other queer people feel an immense grief knowing the years of their life that feel lost to this level of shame? Is it normal to feel like my teenage and young adult years have been stolen away from me? I know deep down that I'm putting way, way too much pressure on myself, which is certainly not making things any easier. I am still so, so young, and I logically know that there is so much time, and I'm so grateful to have finally started my journey towards myself, even if it so often feels like I'm too late. I know that at least part of the solution to this is to relax, to let myself grieve, and to keep doing the work of healing, but it feels so impossible to actually do that a lot of the time. I know you probably won't read this letter on your show because it's a lot to digest, but I am at such a loss and I'm clinging to hope that you will that it will help to know that somewhere out there, two strangers have read my words and seen my struggle. I am also going to try to work up the courage to read the last part of this letter to my, my therapist. I really am too young to be feeling like my life is already over, and I want so desperately to hear that all of this will work itself out eventually, that it's okay to be deeply hurt, but that it doesn't mean that I am permanently ruined. I was first introduced to your podcast years ago while in the depths of my abusive relationship, and your words held me in a loving embrace and helped me to start to understand that things didn't have to be that way. You both will always hold such a place in my heart for that reason. I thank you for all that you do, for giving me the courage to extricate myself from a disastrous relationship that sucked the life out of me, for keeping me company in my loneliest of times, living in the after of surviving that devastating trauma, and for reading this in coherent rambling. To say thank you doesn't feel like it will ever convey the depths of my gratitude, but this letter has been long enough, so I will leave it at that. All my love, Tender Ghost. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually, so I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week, and every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. 
Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Oh, my darling little tender ghost, you did a wonderful job summarizing your experience and your feelings in this letter. And it wasn't too long. It was just right. Um, Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing on Patreon and for trusting us with your whole heart. We are so grateful to carry it with you. Um, To start with the obvious, I'm so deeply sorry that you had to experience this or that you did experience this. And I'm also, um, I'm sorry that it is manifesting itself in this way during the healing process years later in this happiest time of your life. That's well-earned, well-deserved, mm-hmm. you know, fruitful in so many ways. And still you find yourself like extricating yourself still from, from this. I remember when I was, uh, I had like a delayed healing of my first like really, really toxic relationship. And six months after we broke up, a year after we broke up, I found myself like, I was so, every time I got drunk, I got so angry. I just wanted to like fight people. Mm. I would cry radically. I felt like I was pulling slivers of that relationship out of myself, like finding slivers Mm -hmm. of him in me still, you know? And I just want to say it's really normal. This is this is yet another layer of this healing. It's really normal to uh, find security and stability and safety after an abusive, unsafe relationship and still have that unfortunate ripple effect of like, 
And how is this impacting me now? What what not am I untangling now in this healing? Um, so you're definitely not alone in these sort of big and painful thoughts. I really like that idea of um, of slivers, right? Like that idea of like kind of suddenly coming across something that's like, oh, this hurts because this is like sort of embedded in something in me, right? Something about my understanding of myself or my understanding of the world. And, you know, my experience of, you know, having been in relationships that were toxic or, you know, having been in experiences of, uh, of sexual assault, right? Like some of those slivers come out sometimes in ways that you're just not expecting. Right. And, and the, the pain and surprise of those slivers, um, can feel really overwhelming, especially when, you know, we're kind of like still in the midst of it, right? We're still really, the pain of the relationship is really fresh or the pain of the situation is really fresh. Mm. And what I think is, at least my experience is that, you know, doing the work that you're doing, this really impressive and amazing willingness to dig into your own healing, um, given everything that has happened to you, not just this abusive relationship, but all, all of the stuff in your childhood that you named for us, right? Is that those slivers still come out sometimes and sometimes they're really hard to take out. But, um, but what happens is that it feels like, uh, a pain that is less surprising, less sharp and more so like, is this something that I can take out? Do I have the right tools to be able to pull it from myself or do I keep it on me, keep it with me as a reminder of the things that I've learned from that terrible relationship as a reminder of the person who I was at that point. And, I wish I could say that it gets easy, like that everything is like suddenly like, oh, cool. I never, none of this ever comes up anymore, right? Like none of this terrible stuff that's happened ever rears its ugly head. But I will say that like, as you are doing this work that I'm sorry, I'm sorry that the the pain that you have gone through also means that you need to do work to heal. Like that's the, the most terrible and most unfair thing about experiencing this kind of trauma. But as you begin to and continue to do that work, right? The recognition of those slivers gets easier, right? It gets easier to recognize them. It gets easier to understand them in the context that they sit in. And my hope is that over time, you're able you're able to do that. Over time, through this process of work, um, you're gonna get to a point where it feels like those things are less insurmountable and more so uh, connected to your understanding of yourself, what you've been through and what you're capable of overcoming through the work that you've been doing. Yeah, that's actually a great tangent to what I want to s begin with. Um, um, I'm going to share a little story or, or a piece of my story with you to give you some perspective. Um, I am 37 and just this year in therapy, I had this revelation that I think we can apply to your, to the voice you use to speak to yourself. Um, when I was younger, I, you know, from, from the, the moment I became like a sexual being, somebody who was in relationships, I would, I often found myself in situations that I didn't necessarily want to be in, or I slept with people that I didn't want to sleep with. I dated people that I didn't, I wasn't really that into. Um, but the hardest thing for me was really the self-loathing that came from, you know, if I slept with somebody that I like, wasn't that into, 
I had some obviously like internalized, you know, slut shaming, internalized sexism, internalized biphobia. Um, and I, I would just, I just, the disrespect that I, you know, threw at myself when I would sleep with somebody that I didn't really care about and, and the shame that I carried for years, probably, you know, you're 22 and this behavior really started around 20, probably, um, you know, for 15 years plus I felt some varying level of shame about my sexual history, about the partners that I had had because of how uh, inauthentic it felt because I didn't align with my truest self. And that shame varied in intensity and it also varied in self-loathing. Like when I was in my 20s, I hated that part of myself. I was so ashamed of it. You know, in my 30s, I started gaining some more perspective, more self-compassion, but I still didn't, I, I still couldn't, you know, I felt like, oh man, yeah, I wouldn't do that now, but I did do it then. Like that's the kind of compassion I had back then, you know, this idea that like, uh, I understood it, but I still, I still didn't like, okay, it, you know, and it really wasn't until this year, like literally, I think it was this winter in therapy that I realized that every time I betrayed myself, I was seeking love and safety and I was seeking it in the way that I only knew how, whether that was bad, you know, whether that was my heteronormativity or my conditioning by my family, you know, my conditioning as a woman, I was seeking love. Number one, I was seeking love and security. You know, I wanted affection. I wanted to feel good about myself because I didn't know how to love myself. I tr literally, that sounds like a Hallmark card, but card, but I didn't know how to put that love into action, you know, T TLDR, it's boundaries. That's how you love yourself. Um, and I was also seeking safety and security. And for me, I grew up conditioned to deeply, deeply fear anger and disappointment and to fear particularly men's anger. So what did I do instead of rejecting that man I didn't want to sleep with? I, f I feared his anger and I feared the consequences of rejecting him. So something in my subconscious was like, it's easier to sleep with him than to actually face disappointing him. And it did literally you're 22. It didn't, it took me till I was 37 to realize that every time I betrayed my, I quote betrayed myself, I was actually like literally standing up for myself, like, tr or like tr doing what I thought at that time was protecting myself. Do you know what I mean? And so clearly now I see I was trying to protect myself the best that I could at that time. We can look back and say, oh, my gosh, you were that is not how you protect yourself. You know what I mean? But it really was just the best that I could do. I didn't know how I didn't know how to do it differently. And I, I offer that you to, that to you because. There is a part of your processing right now that is putting all of this blame on yourself. Like if only you knew, if only you did something different, if only you were more authentic. And the, 
first of all, you, you weren't, you were at that place in your life's journey. You were doing the best that you could to yourself with your identity that you could, you were doing the best that you could with the knowledge and experience that you had at that moment. And now you know better. Does it hurt that that time was spent there? Does it hurt that he betrayed you like that? Does it hurt that your life has been altered because of this? Yes, but you could not have, you didn't, you could not have made a different choice. And secondly, I want you to think about the the language and the positioning that you're doing when you think about this. You were seeking love. You were seeking security. And one day you will be able to look back on this and, and access more compassion for yourself. You, you say, will I ever be able to forgive myself? I think absolutely 100%. I, I, I feel that in my bones, my darling. Um, and I know it's not as simple of that, simple as that, but I just want to offer you that like, there's a little bit of, no, there's a lot, the way you are even positioning us, positioning the story to us is such that if I just knew myself better, I would be different or it would have been different. And I just, it will only hurt if you look at it that way. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting how, you know, folks who have been through trauma, right? Like one of the things is that when we look back on the instances that have caused us trauma and we give ourselves all the power in the world to have done something different in retrospect, right? Like we look at ourselves and say like, look at that person they could have, they should have been able to do something different. They should have known, right? They should have done something different. They should have been able to act, right? They had all of the power available to us. Uh, and then when we are talking about and thinking about how we're loving or supporting our, ourselves, we often feel so unempowered, right? Like it's like suddenly all of that, that autonomy, all of that ability to make decisions is like suddenly stripped away from us. And, and I'm saying this because like, I see this reflected in myself, right? Like when I look back, I'm, you know, if, when I look back, it's like, I'm the one that could have saved my dad, right? Like I should have done everything differently. And if I had, he would still be alive, right? I should have not done all of these 10 different things to prevent the sexual assault from happening, right? Like I look back on it and think like, wow, I made this happen. And one of the things that I've been working with my therapist on is like, how do I decenter my own actions in things that were 99% outside of my control? Right. Cause I'm clinging to that 1% saying like, I could have done something different, right. I could have changed it because me as the person who's been, you know, traumatized by these experiences or experience, like, I just want to cling to that 1% because I want to make sure that I can prevent it from happening again. Right. I can keep myself safe if I just sit in this 1% and hold on to it as much as possible. And, and I say this to you, lovingly in a way to look back at this experience and and even in the letter that you describe like your your community your family was telling you that you weren't worthy of love right they were kicking you out of the house they were saying 
your the people in your school were saying that you didn't deserve to live for being queer, right? All of this stuff was happening. All of this stuff, right? And and of course, then what happens is that you make decisions based on what people are telling you, based on the truth that you think is being reflected back to you. And and so I want to say like the decisions that you were making weren't just like you thinking, like Sierra said, they weren't just you with your most rational brain on deciding, yes, I'm going to continue to be in this abusive relationship, right? No, the way that you were thinking and feeling was the product of all of these things that were surrounding you from your family to your community to compulsory heterosexuality to systems of sexism that you were sitting in. I want to name those as also like things that we should take into account as we look back and see like why this all happened and what was going on. I also want to say that like the, your abuser had a lot of autonomy in this as well, right? He was the one making decisions about how he was going to treat you, right? You weren't, you weren't inviting that. You weren't asking for that. You didn't deserve that, right? He was the one that was making those decisions that are, were creating the abusive situation in the first place. And I also like, and I just want to also give you credit, right? Like you, you talked about how Sierra and I saved you from that situation. And I, I want to say, no, we did not. Right. Like I want to, I want to empower you in this moment to say as well, like, sure, maybe we reflected things to you that allowed you to challenge some of the things that you believed to be true about yourself. And you also chose to believe something different about yourself. Right. That was a choice an empowered choice that you made. It wasn't just because we told you, it was because you decided to believe that what we were saying to you was true. And so like, I just like, again, this, this idea of like, when we're in the bad situation, we have all the power and we're choosing not to do something different. And then once we are extricating ourselves or finding a different way, it's like, oh, it's because other people helped me. And that's true, right? Other people did help you. I'm sure that, you know, there, you, I hope that you have people in your life that helped you sort of extricate yourself from that situation. But also I want to give you credit for that. And I want to say like, that is important for you to hold for yourself, especially as you're looking back and with all of this blame, right? I want you to say to yourself, yes, absolutely. This was a terrible situation and I don't know how I found myself in it. And when I had the tools, when I had the support, I got myself out of it, right? Like I was the one that made the decision to leave this person. I was the one that made the decision to put space between me and them. I'm the one making decisions to live more authentically in my identity, right? You are, you are empowered in that way. And I want you to be able to recognize that even as I know that you are struggling, right? Like even as I know that there feel like there are lots of things that are still outside of your control because they absolutely are, but, but you're making the decision to move towards healing. You're making the decision to live, move towards queerness. You're making the decision to continue to put yourself out there. And I just, I want to give you as much credit for that as you are giving yourself bad credit for being in this abusive relationship for as long as you were. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's totally reasonable to grieve lost time, to grieve, you know, choices, to grieve all of this. That's, that's, that is normal. Setting that grief aside for one moment, going back to the idea of like, agency and and abusive relationships it's the it is and isn't it like us to be abused and then look back in our healing process and say if i just didn't do this if i just didn't 
say this, if I didn't anger him, you know, it is an extension of the abused script, you know, um, if I just made him the food the way he liked, or if I didn't talk back, or if I didn't post that sexy selfie or, you know, like that's an, it is an extension of the blaming of the abused for the abuse. That was a grown man. He, he, he made his bed. Do you know what I mean? Um, and back to the grief. I just, like I said, it's, it, it's normal to grieve times of your life. It's normal to feel anger and sadness and all of the feelings over what's lost. You know what I mean? And, I, but I also just want you to take a deep breath and this might seem like a, a dark thing to say, but take a deep breath and, and, and really sit in the fact that like knowing yourself more authentically, living yourself, your, your life as truthfully as possible, as true to yourself as possible, it still doesn't prevent us from being harmed by the world. I, it, we still, it is a constant unlearning and learning, right? It's a constant healing and being hurt and healing again. This is not, that is not a statement that will perfectly wrap up your grief and anger about those years and put it away. Like you're going to, you are going to hold that anger as long as you need to hold it. You're going to hold that grief as long as it's useful to you. I just don't want you to use that grief as a way to weaponize it against yourself. Like, oh, I should have known better. I should have been true to myself. Well, guess what? You were where you were when you were there. You knew what you knew at that time. And not to mention, you're going to walk down this queer journey you're going to walk down this path of life and and you're going to go off many sh offshoots you know and you're going to find hurt <laughs> because that's what what life is it is it is pain and joy you know it is suffering and and love and elation and connection and purpose and i don't mean that in a pessimistic way in fact i just i mean that to to take some pressure off of yourself. You do not have to be perfect to offer yourself up to the world and to love, right? You do not have to be perfect to, you know, you don't have to, you don't walk through the threshold of identity and healing and all of a sudden everything is dandy, you know? Um, I remember the fucking second time I, I touted my first toxic relationship. I was like, oh man, I had this abusive relationship, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, fucking five, 10 years later, I get in another abusive relationship and I'm like, how the fuck did I find myself here again? How the fuck did I betray myself again? You know, um, I, I don't think that's your path, but I'm, I just offer it as like an example that like, it is a it is a constant learning and unlearning. Um, yeah, and we love you and we love this grief. I just don't want you to use this grief to, to blame yourself more. You will be able to access compassion for yourself. You will be able to access forgiveness for yourself, but it's it's, it's going to require some intentionality, some shift in thinking, you know, and time, 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 time. I do want to say, I'm. I know that this is a lonely practice for you, 
Right. And I know that like this experience of having gone through all of the shit that you've gone through can, can feel really isolating. Right. And that's, that's what trauma does to us. Trauma makes us feel so irreparable that we cannot ever connect with other people again. Right. We are so broken that other people will never understand. They'll never love us. If they find out about how broken we are, they will run away from us. Right. And, and I can, deeply relate to how lonely it feels to have gone through a bunch of shit and then try and make connections with people. And I also want to say to you that it is absolutely lonely and there are people in this world who are going to be willing and would love to help you carry this in this moment, right? There are, I have been so deeply surprised by how many people in my life have been able to hear the worst and scariest parts of my own experience. When I tell people, I think I'm the reason my dad is dead, they don't run away from me. They try and hold me, right? They try to say to me, I can't believe that you're holding this, right? Like, let me help you with this because I know it's not true and all I want is for you to be able to see that with us, right? Like, I... There are so many people and there are people who love me romantically. There are people who love me platonically. There are people who love me in a, in the way that families do. And like so many of those people are so equipped to be able to look at me and not just see all of the worst parts of me, but also the parts of me that have healed the parts of me that continue to carry on the parts of me that still need tender love and, and be able to hold it, to see it. And, and so I don't, I don't want to say that like, go date. Cause like, everyone's going to be wonderful. Like that's absolutely not true. Cause people are shit in a lot of different ways, but I do want you to know that, that the people in your life currently, and hopefully the people that you continue to meet as you walk through this stupid journey, that is life will be able to, to not necessarily take all of this away from you, but we'll, we'll be able to come up alongside you and put their hands under this and say, yeah, we've got this together, right? I'm here to support you in what you need to do to help carry this for yourself. Absolutely. All right, my darling, again, thank you so much for subscribing, for supporting us, um, for listening and for trusting us with this little corner of your life. We are with you. And we love you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing and for supporting us on Patreon. All right. Uh, Remember, uh, the worst time of your life, you were doing the best that you could with the knowledge and experience you had at that time. And now you know better. And now you can do differently. That is the greatest gift of life is opportunity to do something differently. And if all else fails, just break up.